Welcome in to the OMR podcast. I'm your host, Scott Peterson, international content developer at OMR, and I'm coming to you from OMR HQ in Hamburg, Germany, home of the OMR Festival, which, by the time you will have heard this, will have just happened. Big thanks to everyone who made the trek all the way up here, all 70,000 of you, and one guy who was among the throngs of guests and friends and speakers and partners was my guest today, co-founder and CEO of Snox, Johannes Kleisch. Snox was founded in 2016 as a D2C, that is direct-to-consumer, sock seller, and a couple of weeks ago, Snox made some headlines after securing a 10-figure investment from Katai Capital. As you are about to hear, Johannes is a very entertaining individual, and he spoke to me in depth about the strategies every D2C company needs to adopt, especially the ones that are just now up and coming, the upcoming expansion plans in Europe and to the States, how the Snox brand has evolved over the past five years, and what changes they will have to make in order to reach their ambitious revenue goals, and when is it time to trigger ads on TikTok? I'm sure all of you want to know about that. We're going to have all of that and a lot more right now in the Omar podcast. Buzz. Well, I am thrilled to be joined right now by co-founder and CEO of Snox, Johannes Klisch. Johannes, how are you doing? Welcome to the Omar podcast. I'm feeling great. I think it's a sunny day. I've been with my little dog yeah, outside <laughs> and I'm feeling pumped and I'm really happy to be here, Scott. So thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. So let's just jump right into it. I'd like to give a little, other people a little bit of background about Snox, at least in my eyes. Uh, correct me if anything here is uh, is incorrect, but in 2016, you co-founded Snox together with your cousin, uh, Felix Bauer, as a D2C sock label. Uh, in the five years since, you've expanded, you no longer only sell socks. There's also a Snox consulting division, a Snox cafe, <laughs> maybe slowly approaching flywheel territory, but that's something maybe down the road. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, you also uh, secured a relatively healthy investment from Katai Capital. This is all my kind of roundabout, drawn out way of, of saying and leading up to the question, of how would you describe what Snox is? Wow, that's a good question. I think we started, like you mentioned, as like Amazon FBA brand. So Amazon FBA is like at the moment like huge. It's a crazy business model. So we mm -hmm. started up there with only selling socks on Amazon. But over the time, we've built up a D2C brand. So that's our main goal. And our vision is to become the yeah most influential and the biggest D2C basic fashion brand in Europe. So we want to sell like through all online platforms and channels, uh, basic fashion products like socks is or like boxer shorts. And fun mm -hmm. fact right now, like our uh, boxer shorts are our most important product. So a lot of the intros and podcasts and stuff like that say, okay, here's Johannes, uh, he's selling socks. Right now, <laughs> our most uh, important product is like boxer shorts. So yeah, we reinvent ourselves over the last uh, five, six years, most okay. of the time. And uh, yeah, starting from Amazon, become right now our the online shop is the biggest sales channel so it's a roller coaster back then these days but it was much fun i, I can imagine so so um how big is the company now how many people do you employ uh 90 people full-time employees and okay. in revenue our goal this year is to hit the 50 million and we're on track so okay something like that right because I, I believe if i'm not mistaken 2021 you had about 32 roughly thereabouts yeah net S revenue 32 yeah. Yeah, that's uh, certainly not bad. I mean, we're like, what, five years in, just over? I mean, it's 
it's a it's a good clip <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's not you. bad. Um, and uh, who are your primary clients? Uh, what would you say? How do you skew? Young, old, mix? So our main target uh, customer is from 25 to 34 years, uh, no matter like men or women. So mm -hmm. over the time, like I said, we reinvent, reinvent ourselves uh, most of the times. So three years ago, when I have mm. been to the like the German Home Air podcast, our main uh, persona was 70% uh, men. Right mm -hmm. now, it's totally the opposite like it's 70 percent women because okay. we launched our a lot of uh, women product last year so over the time it's changed but right now it's 25 to th 34 old women and men mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. the other like target groups from 80 to 24 or from 36 to 44 it's equal the same so we have a lot of like mothers they're buying for the whole household uh, the mm -hmm. socks underwear and stuff like that but we also have like young people who say okay snox is a nice brand i want to buy there so different kind of target groups okay and uh so is amazon still the primary channel or is it your shop uh what, what would you identify there so our online shop makes about 65% at the moment of our revenue, okay. um, Amazon 25, and the, the rest is about Zalando, about mm -hmm. you, Otto. So the, we call it internal-wise uh, the alternative marketplaces. And so mm -hmm. in Germany, like the shopping culture is really through marketplaces. So that's a really big step for us. Okay. And um, so let's uh, go back towards uh, 2016 um, to when you founded the company with your cousin. What was the genesis? Where, how, where did the idea for Snox come from? Like our purpose of me and my co-founder Felix was, okay, we want to be self-employed. And then we tested up uh, different business models. So in the internet, you can see, okay, come to the WhatsApp group, make crypto, make these and that. And Amazon FBA come true. And we say, okay, that's nice because this business model, you have something in the hand, like a physical product. That's really mm -hmm. nice and that impact us really. And then we thought about, okay, what can we actually sell on Amazon? We don't want to be like shit stuff, like just random stuff. And mm -hmm. these days I made a lot of money with like sneaker reselling, like StockX mm -hmm. right now. It's really mm -hmm. huge with Yeezy, Off-Whites and stuff like that. So back then, I made uh, good money with the sneaker reselling and I saw, okay, people buying sneakers for like hundreds or thousands of euros, but they are still buying their socks on Amazon, not Amazon instead, but also Zara, Primark, H&M. And then mm -hmm. that was the starting point of the idea. Okay, let's sell socks on Amazon because there was only like Shiner sellers and also like Puma, Adidas, and but no mm -hmm. like D2C or cool fresh startup brand. So that was the idea. Let's sell sneaker socks on okay. Amazon. So, so you came uh, from, uh, I guess you would consider yourself a sneakerhead to some degree. You came from like this kind of like culture and you just saw like, okay, if people are going to like take this time and have this interest in sneakers as a fashion statement, why not the socks? Yeah, but... I think there is also like Happy Socks or Stan. So there are like other socks brands who got like really, okay, let's build up if the socks as a fashion statement. That's okay. not what we care about. I think me as a sneakerhead, I pay hundreds of euros because I love the sneaker or the story or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the socks, I don't want to see it. The sock is not the main point on my feet. It's the sneaker. And that's... That was our uh, thinking about. I huh. we do not live in an area 
where like people care a lot about their socks. And that's, I think that's a different opinion of ourselves and our like, we see socks in comparison to other like fresh sock startups because they believe, okay, socks will be the new sneaker or the new really important fashion uh, statement. And we do not believe that like in general, in uh, like for all of the people. I think there are some people, they love to wear like crazy socks, but we believe most of the people just want to uh, wear like black socks or like white uh-huh. and like basic stuff. Okay. Um, well, so then it was always an idea of yours. You were always kind of like interested in like being an entrepreneur and never wanted to have a nine to five job unless you were the boss. I guess that's uh, kind of what I'm hearing from you uh, right now. So then you got into business with your cousin. And when you launched in 2016, what was the initial reception? Ari, it's, it's hard to say. So we started 2016 and we only had like 4,000 euros and we went all in and say, okay, let's fucking test it. So our slogan mm-hmm. In Snocks, it's why not? Why not test it? So we went on Alibaba.com, searching for sneaker socks, got five samples of them, mm-hmm. take the best of it, and then just launched it. Our first uh, order was really shit, but we as How cousin, so? yeah, it was so bad because like our vision was okay. We are building up like sneaker socks; they are not slipping from the heel. Okay, but. The products came and they slipped so much <laughs> and we were, oh, wow, what can we actually do right now? But there was only our 4,000 euros in the bank, so we do, we have to perform. And then Felix and I was, okay, we have to, so let's sell it on Amazon. And it went really well. So in the uh, first month from 4,000, uh, we mm-hmm. have been in revenue and sales. We made like... Close to 17,000 and it was like crazy for us as like two people who got a loan from the bank by 600 euros. It was okay in one month from 4K to 16, 17, it was like crazy. And that was the starting point where we truly believe, okay, it can work. Okay, so it took you a month to realize, like, okay, we're onto something. That's that's a relatively uh, <laughs> short timeline. That's really good. Uh, and, and you were completely bootstrapped at least at first, but then afterwards you were just completely self-funded, uh, at least initially up until recently. Yeah, right. So for the fu- uh, first like five to five and a half years, we are uh, fully self-funded. We are really profitable. So we do not have to get any like investment from the outside. But Mm -hmm. last year, uh, Felix and I, we are two bankers. So we reflect ourselves, okay, what is the next big step for Snox? What, where we can go? And so our vision Mm -hmm. is to become, like I said, the biggest basic fashion brand in Europe. And right now we are really big in Germany, but 95% 95% of our revenue came from Germany. So the next big thing for us as a brand is to go international-wise. And sure. when you are in touch with other D2C brands, e-commerce people, e-commerce people, you notice, okay, internalization, it's really tough. You have to invest a lot of money. It's not like easy, just copy-paste from Germany to France, whatever. So you have mm-hmm. to build up a, a, a team. We want to build up a, a team in Paris at the end of the year. You have to implement. At first, you have to increase your brand awareness in this country. So we were, okay, right now we are really profitable, but the next year will be tough because of the internalization. So we teamed up, like you said, with Cafe, our investor and say okay get some percentage of our 
of our company and help please help us to do the internalization and cafe mm-hmm. as an investor they are from French, but also got a big angle in China, so they also can right. help us to implement our supply uh, supply chain and increase like our yeah touch points with the product uh, production and stuff like that. So that was yeah a big opportunity for us, and uh, I can say that we are still have. M- uh, more than 50 percent so we mm-hmm. are fully in charge of the company we can decide whatever we want it's a small percentage because of the internalization we want to team up with a, a real profi and that's cafe okay well um i was going to get to this later but since we're already there um so um your your short-term plans for for the to use the capital are for the internationalization because basically the german market i mean you've for lack of a better word you've conquered it and it's the potential is not going to be there anymore because you've already got 95% there so you want to like kind of scale up and you're looking elsewhere in europe and france is the first market that you've identified why france because our strategy is um like i said we have a lot of marketplaces so we're mm-hmm. online in different marketplaces all over europe like amazon france Spain, Italy, but also through Zalando, we are also internalized there. And we see, okay, France is the, after Germany, the second biggest country at the moment. So we see, okay, the people are like aware of Snox, kind of. So we made last year about 1 million in France. So we the starting point is not at zero when we go okay. with our online shop there. So that's our strategy, first marketplace, and later on then the online shop. All right, uh, and what? How long do you? Uh, so you mentioned that it's going to be. There's going to be a lot more costs involved, um, and that's why you got the external funding. How? How? What are you looking at for as far as the timeline is concerned? When do you think? How long is going to be long enough to like really go all in on France and to know whether or not it's going to work? I mean, you said you're already kind of doing well because you've already sort of kind of known there, but we're talking about bigger. We're talking about scaling up significantly. So what's what's the timeline? Would you say? I think the timeline for the first year, so we are launching in our uh, in January next year. And our main season is starting from February, March until August, September, because there's the main season for sneaker socks. So we want mm-hmm. to be online in the like main season, high season. And our goal is to make uh, in France next year about 5 million. So when we hit like close to 3 to 5 million, I think mm-hmm. we see okay, it's working for us. But when we see next year, okay, we are below 1 million, like after three or four or five months, we see, okay, there is no uh, rocket uh, starting up. Mm-hmm. Then we have to think about, oh, let's go moving on to the next country, maybe Spain or Italy. But mm-hmm. there is no di- discussion that we have to internalize because our goal is to make the next years like more than 100 million in, in sales. Mm-hmm. We can't do it only in Germany. It's yeah. impossible. So we Correct. have to test different countries. And through marketplaces, at the end of the year, we'll launch in the US. We're going to launch in the US. So that's another test. And then we see, okay, in like... From now in a year, we see, okay, how is France? How is the US through marketplace? And then... Uh, Reallocate. Okay. Um, And so obviously every single market has its own nuances. The audiences, the target groups are going to be slightly different. The way you reach them, what platforms is different. Um, Are you going to at least at first use a similar approach that you've used in Germany as far as attracting um, your, expanding your client base? Or are you, are you, I don't know, getting external consultation from people in France in this case, or in Italy, or wherever you plan to expand to? 
we are in really close contact to other like German D2C brands to stay mm -hmm. in contact with them and uh, talk about, okay, how they scaled up there. For example, Waterdrop, it's one of the mm -hmm. biggest D2C startups in Germany or in the Dach region. So mm -hmm. they've made like millions in France and they we are really close with them and uh, talk about, okay, what was your key challenges? But also, like I mentioned, like Cafe or Investor is based in Paris. So they also got invested in different like e-commerce um, companies in France. So we get in touch with them and uh, talk about. But I think France, it's not totally different than uh, Germany because we have like basic products. So we do not mm -hmm. have to reinvent our socks. I think it's more about, okay, what is the marketing approach? And then mm -hmm. we have to test, okay, what is the influencer marketing game there? How we can run Facebook ads? Is still TikTok there big? So is it growing there as fast as in Germany? Um, or is Instagram still big and we are totally focused on Instagram? So there are different approach, but it's not totally different than in Germany. Another topic is in the US. Like we yeah. uh, tested in the US like two years ago. Uh, together with Amazon, we got like... Uh, invest kind of invest funding by mm -hmm. amazon that we can test with them together and the us and they give us some money and real uh, much uh, a lot of help mm -hmm. and we tested there and it went like really crazy in the first three weeks we made uh, close to 200k uh, but it was only break even for us and back then we do not have any capital so we uh, we have to be profitable because we're self like Self-funded bootstrapped, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we canceled up there. But what we saw in the US, that instead to Europe and Germany especially, like the people are really in the basic fashion brand, they're really focusing on cotton. So cotton is the most important thing in Germany. Like that the socks are 90%, 95% out of mm -hmm. cotton. In the US, it's totally different. Like they, they really love like the comfortness of like... Yeah, different materials, and that's not mm -hmm. the natural cotton ones. So right now, when we are starting again in the US at the end of the year, we have a totally different product uh, from the materials than we mm -hmm. have in Europe. So that is a big difference, and they got different sizes. So in Germany, it's from 43 to 46, for example. In the US, it's I think it's from 40 to 42, 43 to 44. So there are different size steps. So mm -hmm. I think for all people listening to that, I think when you scale through Europe, I think there are not that much like difference product-wise, but in the U.S., compare it from Europe to U.S., you have to do really good market research. There was a, a big mistake by ourselves three years ago. Okay. Now, um, uh, with uh, some of the capital, so obviously the expansion plans and whatnot, are you also expanding, uh, uh, planning on expanding your products? Uh, before I mentioned, like, you know, the consulting division that you have set up, the cafe, and maybe some of these other offshoots of the brand, because the brand has also evolved quite a bit. And we'll get to that as well. But uh, are you planning on, like, adding more products? Yeah, for sure. Like, 
I said we launched our women underwear last year and it went like crazy and make like 15 to 20 percent of our revenue came from and we just launched last year so that's a like a big sales driver for us so mm -hmm. we always looking for new opportunities so in the next year we want to focus on sport basic product so like a short for sport or just a sport a shirt like gym shark so not uh -huh, that yeah, colorful sure. and stuff like that but like really basic just go for for training for running so basic sports will be the next like big category we want to uh, scale it okay and so uh one of the the main uh kind of channels that um that you're known for in germany is obviously the d2c part now does that also translate to other markets because that seems like something where you very got it you have to actively cultivate your audience you have to be close enough to the people you have to reach them they have to have the trust in you to you know kind of come on board like usually i mean you, you have like little product bundles that they get, whether it's a subscription or a one-off, but then usually they're kind of, you know, uh, uh, connected to the brand. I would imagine that that is also kind of difficult when you're moving abroad. Maybe even, maybe not within Europe, you were mentioning, but the US? Yeah, it's, it's a big challenge. That's the reason why we started in the US through Amazon. So people buying on Amazon, they are really transactional base. So they're looking, mm -hmm. they type in sneaker socks, see like 10 different uh, competitors search for the best tool with the best reviews, the best pictures, and buy them. They're mm -hmm. not too, oh, what is the brand behind it? What is the community and stuff like that? So that's why we started in the marketplace, because when we can go to the top of the rankings, we sell no matter how big is a brand in the US or not. Right. So that's our reason why we, uh, we've chosen this kind of marketing strategy and internalization strategy. And that's also the reason why in Europe, like we mentioned a lot about French, we still have their a customer base because we made their last year one million in sales. So we have a little bit of community and we are starting up not by zero. And then right now, when we go to our online shop and scale there with Facebook ads, TikTok ads, influencers, mm -hmm. some of the people know us, they talking to their friends. Oh, have you seen influencer XY uh, uh, talked about snogs? I've been mm -hmm. wearing them for two years. They were really nice. So we think that kind of flywheel that uh, we can scale through, it's even better. But I think when we are starting in a country by zero, we have to go through the marketplace because this kind of community, like you mentioned, is so tough and so challenging. So that's the reason why it's in the first year or the first two years, not profitable mm -hmm. and really tough. Fair enough. But so, um, snacks for, for an entire generation of uh, younger DTC brands, especially in Germany, in the DAC region, uh, you're kind of seen as a role model, I would say. Maybe that's the wrong term, but definitely like as an example of, of a best case, a, a source of inspiration. Um, like what, uh, how are you able to, to succeed with your D2C strategy initially? And what advice would you give to like other younger startups, like people trying to get into the D2C game? Because everybody says, I mean, you saw this with the pandemic, that you can't be completely dependent on other marketplaces. You have to like make sure you have direct access to your clients, to your target group. And that's a lot, sounds, it's a lot easier said than done, but you've obviously pulled that off. And what advice would you give to others? Like, first of all, start with Shopify. If you're selling through your own online shop, just go to Shopify. Do not do like WordPress or some more like difficult part. Shopify, it's the best. Then second wise, I will... 
I would focus on one sales channel. When I uh, look at our history right now, the first two to three years, we only focused on Amazon. So at every mm -hmm. party, the people came to me, okay, Johannes, you have a startup. Why don't you sell offline? Why don't you sell on Zalando? Why don't you sell uh, to your own online shop? We 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 stayed at Amazon and that's why the reason why we've been the most, the best seller uh, nominated and awarded 2019 mm -hmm. by Amazon, the best seller in Germany. Because we only focusing two to three years only at one sales channel. Then we moved mm -hmm. on to Shopify and our own online shop. But the first year we only did like fa running Facebook ads. Only that, no other sales channel. And okay. my perspective right now is that You can run profitable ads through any channel, no matter it's TikTok, Facebook, Google, no matter which sales channel, if you're good at it, if you're really crushing it and you're really crushing it and focus on it, you can scale through any online performance marketing channel. So my advice for everybody is stay focused, use Shopify and concentrate on one sales channel. At the moment, I think the biggest opportunity and really underpriced attention is at TikTok. So if you're starting mm -hmm. right now or you struggle with your ad, do one TikTok post every day on TikTok. If the TikTok hits more than one, uh, 1K in views, do performance marketing ads on it. And mm -hmm. then you've seen that our your online shop going like crazy. So if I started right now, concentrate on TikTok. All right. Uh, so, uh, is, is that uh, the most uh, uh, promising promising channel for you at the moment? Is that the one that you're focusing on, or I mean, because you've you mentioned Amazon, uh, Facebook, uh, Meta, whatever, um, uh, Instagram as well, um, and now TikTok. Like, are those the primary channels? Like, how would you kind of uh, rank them as far as importance? By importance, right now, still Facebook. But mm -hmm. uh, when we look through our numbers, like last year. Close to 35-40% of our revenue came through Facebook ads mm -hmm. from the online shop. Right now, it's below 20% because Meta fucks and the like the ad product of Meta is really shit. Or it's really tough because like the people on Instagram are not uh, that uh, like touchy and engaged anymore. Mm -hmm. And also like um, the the tracking about Data with security that, and it's yeah, with really, the Apple and everything, yeah, yeah, it's really tough. So, if we only stay on the Meta or the Meta product this year, we are not uh, increasing our sales anymore. So, like I mentioned, TikTok is a really big channel, but mm -hmm. we are on this kind of scale that we have to focus on a lot of different channels. We are not only focusing on TikTok; we're also focusing on podcast ads we're testing mm -hmm. right now. Also, YouTube ads like Google Shopping is a huge for us, influencer yep. marketing, WhatsApp marketing. So we have a lot of different channels uh, because at our scale, you have to uh, master every single channel that you can still increase on this uh, high fly. Sure. And speaking of increasing, and uh, and by that I mean decreasing, I have heard, at least in my research for this podcast, that Amazon is kind of waning in relevance for you, or at least maybe like you're diverting more of like your, your funds and your attention to other uh, platforms. Um, Why why is that? So we, uh, to be really clear, last year we doubled our revenue for Amazon. So it's not that Amazon is decreasing by sales, but other channels are increasing even faster. 
So okay. that's because Amazon is percentage-wise less in total, but we still double last year. And this year we have uh, increasing by 50% at our Amazon revenue. So other channels like our online shop last year, more than triple in revenue. So D2C part is more uh, okay. uh, excessively yeah, increasing. So Amazon is it's not growing as fast, but it's still growing and still very profitable and still a very relevant channel. But the other ones are just really coming up and blowing up. All right. I mean, that makes sense. Um, so um, how have your sales channels kind of evolved since when you founded, uh, since when you started the company? Because um, you mentioned like you should fo you focused initially on what, Facebook and Amazon. And then, I mean, your strategies, obviously, like with TikTok, cannot be the same. Uh, Instagram's got to be different. All these things. How, how would you say like overall your strategy has kind of morphed and transitioned, evolved over the years? So in total, our sales strategy is always like we try to test every sales channels through mm -hmm. an agency. So because what we see that if you're working up with an agency, like the learning curve, it's like really high because mm -hmm. at the first moment, it's you're starting really uh, with good sales. And then if you see that, for example, we uh, tested TikTok ads in yeah. February, with an agency, then we said, okay, first month we uh, we did 50K in revenue. Let's hire a full-time employee who's doing only TikTok ads. And then we see, okay, in the next month or in the month after in April, we uh, did more than 100K in sales through TikTok ads. So that's in total our sales strategy. So test different sales channels. Mm -hmm. And if you see that there is a momentum or like... A, like hey, a, sure, yeah. you're performing and you're trending in the right direction. And yeah. you just kind of use the KPIs and... You know, and uh, hire full-time employee. So back then, we started, like I said, with Amazon, move on, hired somebody, implemented. Then I moved on to Shopify and uh, Facebook ads. Then hired there somebody, move on for me as a person to uh, email marketing. That was a really important channel for us because uh, profitability is hard to run through Facebook ads, but email right. marketing, you do not have like a variable cost. So it's really profitable to uh, do email marketing. So as you as a hero of this podcast uh, are not doing more than 10% uh, of your revenue through email marketing, you're fucked up. So that's yeah. really, yeah. It's really, really important to have a retention business and then later move on. The next sales channel was Google Ads. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, WhatsApp marketing, TikTok, influencer marketing. But right now, if I only have or starting with zero right now, because the, the time is changing, I would start with TikTok. And then if I do more than 50K in sales per month with TikTok, I, the next channel would be uh, email marketing and then influencer marketing. All right. Well, um, so... Each and every single one of these platforms have have their own little nuances, right? So whatever is going to work on Instagram is not going to work in Google, is not going to work in email, is not going to work in TikTok. So how is your content strategy kind of changing? And uh, how how is it helping you boost the brand snacks and incorporate that and establish that not only in Germany, but something that you can transfer uh, uh, beyond? Yeah, really good question. Because all the performance marketer out there think running performance marketing ads it's about okay which target group can i prevent what can i do uh, and what metrics i can scale on it mm -hmm. but but the really the real magic is the creative so what the customer actually see it's at every platform 
instead of TikTok or is it a meta with Facebook or Instagram, no matter which platform, the creative is king. So right now, if your Facebook ads running shit, you have to reinvent your your creatives, not mm -hmm. try different target groups. So right now we at every platform we go really broad. So every man from 16 to 60 see our mm -hmm. boxer shots at and the algorithm itself are way better than we can ever uh, type on or uh, get any um, target group out of the mm -hmm. algorithm. So what we see is that for Mater, it's working the best like pictures with really tough statements. So no videos, like we're really focusing there on banner graphics so mm -hmm. with like simple pictures okay our sneakers socks do not slip from the heel buy it like that simple mm -hmm. like people they the attention of people are so short they want to know okay why i should buy this product okay it's not i have the problem that always my sneaker socks are slipping from my heel that is not slipping okay i will mm -hmm. buy it at tiktok it's more about ugc content That's mm -hmm. a really big thing at the moment. You're running like crazy through that. Like UGC, it's user-generated content. It means sure. that like, like normal people, no models or no like crazy influencer or something like that. Like normal people, as we both are, got the selfie cam through an iPhone, not like crazy camera equipment and say, okay, hey guys, I'm using like the sneaker socks I ordered like two weeks ago. I'm really happy. Check it out on Snocks. Like like really real. Straightforward, content. authentic. Yeah. Yes, that's the best content right now. So my, uh, yeah, my tip and my hack kind of mm -hmm. golden rule, golden nuggets is at the moment run these kind of UGC ads through TikTok. It's went like crazy. All right, what are the top performing creatives right now like uh, on TikTok? Like you you said like uh, once you get a, a TikTok out there that's had over a thousand uh, views or whatever, then you can start, you know, running ads on it. Um, what are what are some of like the, the best performing ads that you have out there? Like they are, you have to difference between men and women. Like our sure. men content is really straightforward. Okay, man, I got a boxer shot. It's not slipping. It's like no uh, stitchy, uh, I do not the English word, no stitchy patch on it in the back. Yeah. It's like a long, um, yeah, lo it's longer than normal shorts. Just buy it. Like, okay, it sounds like me when I go shopping. I just like, you know, I buy the first thing that I want. It's like, okay, straightforward. Exactly. That's <laughs> how like most of the men uh, think about shopping, me as well. But women are more like uh, inspirational. They have to see like nice curves. Like they want to see, okay, other person through the ad has a nice butt or something like that. Okay, mm -hmm. it looks nice. It's a nice shape. Okay, she's laying in the bed and it's oh, it's looks so comfortable. So it's more inspirational and not that much of talking and got like five USPs why you should buy the product. Uh -huh. If it looks nice, then the person kind of buys it. Okay. But, so that's our best creative performer. Like for women, It's like uh, really inspirational and for men, like try different kind of USP, why they should buy your product through like really personal, direct um, content, test it a little bit, got a good hook at the first mm -hmm. three seconds because you grab the attention. So like this, like, wow, hi, 
hi guys, like screaming or yeah, different hooks. Then you got the attention, say two USPs and then call to action, buy it at snox.com. That and will be the work. And try out for 30 days, every day, a different creative, post it organic wise on TikTok. And if there is one who got more than 1K, then do performance marketing ads on it and it will work. All right. Then uh, speaking of other things that uh, I'm curious about what work, um, uh, you are building up the brand. The brand is becoming stronger. Um, there's not a huge content strategy in place yet. I mean, not, I haven't seen much on the YouTube channel. Uh, you're getting involved in podcasts. You have these other touch points at the cafe and stuff that I mentioned. But what has been the key as far as retaining the people that have been in contact with the brand? Like, how are you keeping them engaged with you? Yeah, so we have two different strategies. At the one side, that's the reason why I'm here, We truly believe in Germany, like in the US, it's about Shark Tank. In the mm -hmm. in Germany, it's about Höhle der Löwen. Like yeah. in Germany, every Monday, three to five million people looking this kind of TV startup show. So we truly believe that at the moment, the people are really interested in startups and the story behind the startups. That's the reason why we started up five years ago at the beginning. Okay, let's put our face of us, me and Felix, the two founders mm -hmm. in front of and be really personal and tell the story how does a startup became from like a small family business to right now 90 people. That's our one like marketing strategy and that's why we push LinkedIn so damn much and I'm uh, at a lot of podcasts and speaking mm -hmm. next week at Om Air. So, so we try to inspire the people and like motivate them but also like to um, be sympathetic and get in touch with the brand as well. Sure. At the under at the other side, our slogan is "Why not?" And we relaunched our brand the last uh, weeks and month. And this year for us, it's the year of branding because, like you said, last year it was always about sales, and we do not um, invest a lot in branding. But right now, we have to change it if we want to become the. The leading basic fashion brand, our brand has to increase even more. What we want to do is right now, and we are still working on it, is our slogan, why not do like crazy things. In mm -hmm. February, we uh, went with all our employees to the Metaverse. So we ordered like 70 of the uh, Oculus. Then the Meta Europe chef, Tino Krause, have been uh, at stage in our uh, in, in the Metaverse and mm -hmm. got the speech. And that was all filmed and posted through the different sales uh, community channels. Mm -hmm. And yeah, last, and we call it, we try to, every month we got a peak like a crazy why not event. Like every people say, okay, that's why not. Fuck yeah, mm -hmm. that's crazy. Last month, um, as a deal party, we uh, have been the craziest office party ever. Like we had like dancers, singers, okay. BMX riders from Red Bull in our um, office and also got a really big music act like Loredana. It's one of the most influential persons, musical rapper in, in Germany. Got the uh -huh. private party and we invent a lot of our customers as well. The best customers, we invent them and party with us And uh, yeah, enjoy with Loredana. And the next month we got another big event. It's a Pride event. So we are, uh, yeah, we are celebrating Pride. We got a okay. big 
event there, it's gonna be crazy. So we try that every month we got these kind of why not moments that the people uh -huh. say, okay, what the fuck is Snox doing? They just have fun. They just focusing on what they are really love. And that's our brand about. And we want to inspire it. If you wear our socks or boxer shirt, that you kind of have the feeling, why not just do it? Like we, for four or five years, we ordered on Alibaba sneaker socks. They were shit, but we still... <laughs> You still kept with it. it. Yeah. yeah, sure. And so, okay, pretty much in closing, I've, I've got through pretty much everything I wanted to ask, but um, so we're kind of like, uh, we're discussing it right now, but what, what has changed with you as a personal brand? So you're on LinkedIn, you've become, you've kind of had this platform now, you have 60,000 people roughly thereabouts following you on LinkedIn where the engagement rates are a lot better. Um, people uh, tend to listen uh, and the interactions between each other are definitely uh, more on point, I would say. But so you become like this, this business celebrity, so to speak, at least within Germany. Like what has changed about it? Like in your role, like you're definitely out there. You and Felix are both out there, but that's, the focus has definitely changed like in the past year. Like you said, you wanted to like kind of create the storytelling part, like because of like the Shark Tank in the US and the Hula de Leuven here and the, what is the other one? The, the Lion's Den in the UK and all this stuff. So what has changed about your role since you've become more the face of the brand? So back then the years, I was the operational guy who runs the Facebook ad, who runs the, um, the, Amazon ads and all mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So I was really like in the shit. I got dirt on my shoulders. So I have been to every department. Two years ago, I've um, I've run the um, the customer service because we are so fluted by uh, text messages. So okay. that was my role the last four years, kind of. Right now, my biggest job in the company is at the one side and the most important thing that all of our 90 uh, people are really happy. So mm -hmm. that I get noticed when somebody is not that happy or do not know what to do. So I'm the happy customer. Okay. I have to care about our people in the company. The second one is that I'm, like you mentioned, I'm the face, I'm the outspoken people, I'm the press guy. Mm -hmm. Because the biggest challenge for us right now is to get the right people for the right positions. Like the... It's so hard to get like really, really good people. And we want, if we want to hit the 100 million in sales, then we have to hire like 50 to 100 people. They are really crazy and got mm -hmm. our culture even better and more performance driven. So that's the reason why I've been so much on LinkedIn podcasts because we truly believe that here in this podcast or in other podcasts, there are the A players. There are the people that, in their free time, listen to such a podcast that are the people you want to work in your company because they are so interested. They spend their free time or while working on such of podcasts because they yeah, learn stuff. And these people we want to attract as snocks. So that was the change of my of myself that I'm not I'm not sitting on a laptop right now for 12 hours like five years ago. Right mm -hmm. now I have a lot of meetings, podcasts, it's more Next week, I'm th uh, I'm three days on all air, like different okay. events, uh, different uh, meetups. That's my role right now, that I attract as many people, as many good people to work for Snox. And that's what I really love. All right. Well, last thing. Five years from now, what are we going to be doing when we're talking about Snox? What, what is Snox going to be in five years? 
hope so. We've been in different countries. So we hit all over um, Europe. We made more than 200 million in sales. We got different Snox coffees. And <laughs> yes, no more Starbucks. No more Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Snox coffees. And I want that I'm still loving to work every day for Snox and all the like three, four hundred people working for Snox. They're the same right now. We are a big family. We have such a crazy nice culture, and I, I love it because, and that's why I want to, to in the future. I want to tell you, okay, Snox is still going crazy. We are hey. in the US, we are all over Europe, and we are still loving it. I mean, there's absolutely no reason it couldn't be just like you said, or it won't be like you said. I mean, why not? Why, why not? not? <laughs> that's the that's what we've learned here. Johannes Klisch, thank you so much for taking the time today. I had a fantastic discussion. I look forward to seeing you next week at OMR. Yeah. It's going to be a great time. All thank right. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.